Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to episode 27 of the Wisden Cricket Weekly Podcast. I'm Yazrana and today I'm delighted to be joined by Middlesex spinner Ollie Rayner for the first time. Great to have you on, Ollie. Thanks very much for having me. And I'm also joined by the editor-in-chief of the Wisden Cricket Monthly magazine. That's out today, folks. Phil Walker. Yeah, welcome, nicely Phil. done, Yaz. Yeah, I'm here again, mate. You can't get rid of me. Let's get straight into it. Ollie, what's your moment of the week? Well, yeah, we were talking about this a bit earlier. I was going to say uh, I was due to make my... Uh, MCCYC's debut yesterday at Glamorgan watching the rain, but that was because <laughs> I've missed a lot of cricket uh, due to the birth of my daughter. Oh, congratulations. Uh, first, first, first child, so I'm sure you would have liked something more cricket-related, but that's quite big in my world at the moment. You could not have used that. No, <laughs> no, I week. think if my missus had listened as well, she would have had something <laughs> to say. <laughs> well, congratulations, Ollie. This is stunning news, straight, straight <laughs> off the bat. There we go. Um, you would have played for the YCs, what, just 20 years too late, basically? Yeah, yesterday. yeah career's done full circle. Um, yeah, just obviously lacked a bit of cricket leading up. I've, I've had a time off. Uh, my daughter was stunningly two, two, two weeks late, so I missed the first uh, two championship games and the first one day, well, now, now three now I've missed, um, and I need to get some cricket in. So Do, yeah, we, ha- do we have a name? For games. Do we have yeah, a name? Mia. 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 Yeah. All right, well, this is the Mia show. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, nice one. Cool. Thanks very much. Phil, what's your moment of the week? Um, it's got to be got to be Owen Morgan. I spoke to Owen Morgan yesterday um, for a good kind of forty five minutes or so in the end, um, and he remains the the towering enigma of English cricket. Um, he was, uh, you know, effusive and open, um, but also s- superbly inscrutable as as he is. And you know, people on the outside are are fascinated by Owen Morgan um, because there is this kind of force field around in this sort of sheen um, of utter control and utter self-discipline. Um, uh, I'm sitting next to a bloke who's shared a dressing room with him on and off for the last few years. So is this an accurate reflection of the great enigma of English cricket or is this just a kind of journalist trope and he's just like one of the boys? 
No, that's uh, it, it, that is how he is. Um, genuinely, uh, Morgs is very level-headed. Um, you know, as much as I've been at the county now for eight eight years, I mean, he's away with England so much. So um, it would be fool of me to say that w- we were best friends or anything like that. Um, we get on, and that's fine, and and it's all great. But we don't see an awful lot of him. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's just so controlled and knows what he wants and he's very precise in everything he does and that is genuinely how he goes about his business have you ever seen him lose his call ever i haven't but i'd like to i think and uh, you know feisty irish well english (laughs) irish english (laughs) combo it it could be quite interesting because he does come across as quite a tough character but like i say i mean i don't know him intricately so um it's hard to say but it would be quite interesting i suppose i remember the story that he told me um, in an interview I did with him in t- 2010 or something like that. It was just a few weeks after his first Test 100, uh, which I think he made in his sort of second or third Test match. And he told me this story, and it was almost too good to be true, but uh, he has that steel in his eye that you have to believe him, doesn't he? And he said, I said to him, what did you do the night that you scored the 100? You know, did you go out you know, on the drink? Did you take your, you take your missus out for a meal? And he said, yeah, no, I went out with my girlfriend at the time, and... Um, I said, so what did she say? He said, well, I didn't tell her. I said, what? So you were you got 100 for England that day and you didn't tell her that night. You just went out for it. He said, well, why would I? Why would I tell her that? You know, we talk about other things. We're not going to talk about cricket. I said, so when did she find out? He said, well, she picked up the Times newspaper off a newsstand the following morning and <laughs> saw my, my picture on the front cover. And she, then she texted me and said, what, what happened yesterday? He said, oh, yeah, no, I scored 100 for England. And he didn't even tell her. Didn't Neither. even tell her. That is too cool for school. That is too cool for belief. But... I'd like but to with say Morgan? I held my call that well. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> there wouldn't be many people in England who wouldn't know him if I scored 100, to be honest. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But then there is, there is this, this thing around Morgan. Um, and you mentioned as well, obviously, the, you know, his, his ethnicity. You know, he's obviously Dublin born and bred and so on. And, and we spoke a lot about, about that and about a kind of you know, national identity. And, and in the context of the Joffre Archer story now, Yaz and me have bored on about Archer for too long, so we, we won't go down that road necessarily. But he was very interesting about that and how he said when he was a younger man, he had no way of articulating his, his, his sense of identity. Um, uh, and he would, he would be asked, are you Irish, are you, are you English? And he wouldn't know how to answer that question. Now, he says he's very comfortable ask, answering that question and he embraces these kinds of questions. What does he say? He what? says, I'm both. I'm Irish and I'm English. Um, I'm Irish born, I have Irish blood and I'm English nat- nat- naturalised and he spoke about it alluded to the, the challenges that the country's going through at the moment and how his England team he wants, he wants it to be a positive reflection um, of what it is to be to be British if you like I was uh, going to say I mean, that's, that's now more and more that's how we would say that if you're English that, you know, what does that really mean? I mean that is it sort of typifies it really in my if you go on sort of Kilburn High Road, you mean you could bump into people from 20 different countries and they'd all say that they're English. Yeah, indeed. And, and that has to be a positive reflection of, of modern Britain. And, and he was talking about, about Archer. Uh, and I, I said to him, have, has the conversation about Archer moved on uh, from his birthplace to his qualities or otherwise as a cricketer? And, and Morgan was very, I think he was quite sympathetic to that argument. Um, uh, and I thought it was very interesting that he said that his England team, he wants this England team to be to be a positive reflection of what it is to be to be living in the 21st century in this country. Um, he's, he's obviously a, a deeply impressive bloke. And just at the risk of going talking about cricket for a minute, I had a look at his stats. He averages 108 over the last 10 ODIs. So 
talk about a feast and famine kind of player, but when he's on, there are a few better players. Seems to me, what do you reckon, Ollie, that he is the key man in this setup? There are great players around him, of course. There's a genius in Butler, there's a there's a hitter in Roy uh, and Bairstow and Stokes and so on, but it all congeals around this bloke's character and this bloke's brilliance with the bat. And I think he's absolutely massive in terms of the way the England side's been remodelled, as it were. Um, you'll know the years that they all said about doing it. I, I don't. But, um, you know, he's very big on how the team sort of works and gels as a team, not just individually, and what everyone's roles are and letting them express themselves and be comfortable in the roles that they've let them, sort of given them. So he's massive in that. And, and I think, like you say, as... As a result of that, his solidarity in, in his position in the side um, really helps everyone just go and play their own game. Yeah, he's, he is uh, the central architect of what's happened since 2015 when, of course, he was handed that hospital pass of the World Cup, you know. Uh, but Andrew Strauss as well, he credits Andrew Strauss as the, as the visionary, really. And it was Strauss's initial... Uh, picture of how the future had to look if English 50 over cricket was going to go anywhere that then enabled Morgan to to instigate it on the pitch um and he's his reverence for Andrew Strauss is is quite clear I think in the interview and I asked him what were the toughest times of his captaincy tenure from from the time he was given that job um and he recognises that it was in those early days. Those early days were the toughest times where you had to just persuade English cricket to live a little. Um, but it's fascinating just to listen to the bloke. And, and it feels like this is the final bit, the final chapter. This is the, the, the final bit in the jigsaw. And if they can just find the right shape to drop it in, then he can probably... And I, I did ask him about what's going to happen after this World Cup, but he was naturally quite cagey. But you feel like he could just ride away with the keys to English cricket if they can just pull it off. Uh, what's, what's your moment of the week, play um, tell? It, it was here at the Oval, actually. Um, it was Liam Plunkett getting four kits for Surrey against Essex the other day. Um, mooted by a few to be the most likely man to make way for Archer in England's final 15-man squad for the World Cup. Uh, despite being England's key middle-over bowler over the last few years, he hasn't gone well recently in his last five ODIs. He's got a bowling average of 88, economy of just under seven and over. Uh, and a look at his pace, his average pace was down from um, 83.5 miles per hour since the last World Cup to just under 81 miles per hour in the last few games. Not a massive difference, but enough to make some difference. Um, and in his first two Royal London one-day games, he went quite badly, 67 off seven overs and one for 57 off six overs. But against Essex the other day here at the Oval, he took four for 50. Um, and then speaking off the game, he said some really interesting things about rediscovering his pace a little bit. Um, and he said that playing Red Bull cricket helped him notice that more than anything else. He said, playing four-day cricket, you notice it more. If you're running in with a red ball and it's swinging and you're slightly off it, you're going to bowl wide, you're not going to bowl accurately. Sometimes you can get away with that with a white ball, but your pace might be down because you can sort of muscle it down and it doesn't swing away, so you push it there. Honestly, I'm glad that I found that out because I can feel like I can go back to bowling quicker than what I've done in the last few weeks. I worked on it and felt so much better today. I felt I attacked the crease much better. My pace was in the late 80s and I felt like I had some snap and some control. I feel a hundred times better. Even if I didn't take the four wickets, even if it was just one, I'd have felt like I'd got something from the game. Um, I think it's really good to see Plunkett back with 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 the pace that we've seen him with England for the last few years. He's been so good for England. Um, it would be unfair if he wasn't at the World Cup squad, a word that people have been using quite a lot recently. Um, Ollie, it, it made me think, 
has there been a time in your career when you've inexplicably lost rhythm and you've been like, what's going wrong? That is my career. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what do you do about that? That must be so frustrating um, when you go from highs when everything's going right and suddenly without really knowing why. Re- really frustrating. Sometimes you're just on autopilot when you're doing well. Um, you're not thinking about anything. And then when things aren't going well, naturally, we're all looking for everything. Mm. You know, tiny little one percenters, half percenters, whatever you can, just to get back to where you were, that purple patch. And, um, you know, that life's not that easy. Uh, so, it's you know, and I, I'm a bit biased towards Pudsey. I like Pudsey a lot. I'm good friends with him. And yeah, it's interesting what you say, because I, like I say, I'm not really a, stati- a statistician and people will back that up. But I'm sure he was one of the best ODI bowlers in the world at one stage. He was he a was stick on, wasn't he? Six months ago, he was an absolute stick yeah, on. Yeah, he was. Six months, you know, it's not that far away. I mean, and then my, my question would be like, Surely it's in everyone's interest to get Plunkett back to that position and yeah. England's a stronger side rather than necessarily trying to jump straight to, to the newest thing. But anyway, I won't go into that. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, rhythm's key. And the other thing in all sport, regardless of whether you're bowling well or not, confidence is everything. And, um, you know, Pudsey comes across as a confident guy, but we all have our, you know, our mm. moments of weakness. Uh, just, just on that, it seems like in cricket, so much of it is about kind of smoke and mirrors, you know, giving the impression of confidence, of self-belief, whereas underneath the doubts are swirling around. It, and cricket, of course, be, famously being a game of failure as yeah, well. There'll be, there'll be a lot lot of that doubt. It will be in there, yeah. And, um, you know, I, I went through a stage of my career a couple of years ago where we had some young players and, you know, they were all cocky and this, that and the other. And my natural instinct was to try and knock them down a peg and then I realised that was me, you know, yeah. and I wish that I had a little bit more of that, you know, the game over time has beaten me up a bit and mm-hmm. you, you don't put yourself as far out there because you know you're only a, a sort of game away from getting custard pied as it were, mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. Um, but I think there needs to be, there, I think there's a fine line between self-belief and arrogance potentially, Sure. Um, where that line lies I don't know and I'm not prepared to put my neck on the line <laughs> to say where that is, but uh, you've got to have a self-belief and then you've got to have the feeling that people around you believe in what you're doing as well. So I think it would be interesting the way they go with that selection. Um, and again, like I say, I'll let you guys lead the conversation on the whole uh, you know, World Cup squad and Archer and stuff like that. But um, I hope Pudsey gets back to where he needs to be. And obviously he's moved now a couple of times, yeah. which is always hard, uh, making routes and starting again. Uh, yeah. It's exciting. But you don't necessarily have that faith that you've built up at the place you've just come from. Mm. You've got to earn it again. So hopefully they'll stick with him here. And uh, yeah, uh, without babbling on too much, which I've already done far too much. Don't worry about that. Join the Um, club. You know, if they can get Plunkett back to where he was six months ago, then England's a better side with him in it. Yeah, well said. Just as an aside on that, um, Mark Church, BBC Surrey commentator, obviously legend of our times and all of that. He was in that interview after the game on Tuesday night, along with Will McPherson from the Standard and and Vish. Um, I think one other as well. I forget who it was. Anyway, Plunkett just began a twenty-minute monologue about the min- the minutia of of what he was working on technically, and just sucked all life out of the interview because obviously they were they were about to kind of ask about Archer and this that and the other, and you know you've dropped a bit of pace. Are you worried about your place? Having to ask these awful questions that journalists have to ask. And and Puzzy just just ripped the flesh out of that completely. And by the end of it, they were just a confused <laughs> by the technicalities, and b completely dumbstruck. So by the end of it, oh, thank you, thank you, Liam. You know, best of luck on Thursday. <laughs> and then he just sort of strolled off into the night. That's the masterclass in the how Mourinho to suck tactic, the life. Yeah, you know, exactly. We've had we've had um, a week of the Royal Unwanted Cup now. Um, not 
Somerset and Kent all have 100% records. A few standout performers so far, worth mentioning. Cameron Brancroft, he's averaging 289 after his first three games with Durham. It must be the yoga. Well, he seems to be thriving on the increased pressures and scrutiny that comes with the captaincy. Um, okay. is he, sorry, is he, have I missed, is he big into yoga? Is he? He's massive. Yeah. yeah, he went and found himself, <laughs> didn't he? He put some sandpaper down his trousers and that's going to find himself in some Himalayan remote we retreat. We yoga once a week in off-season. I'm not sure it's helped me, <laughs> to be honest. There maybe some maybe ama- I haven't been persistent enough. I don't yet. think you have a conscience that you have to cleanse, Solly. I, I think that's part there, of There were some is. amazing photos, stage photos of him doing yoga on a beach. Um, quite something. Well, I might it? get into it if it was on a nice beach somewhere, maybe. <laughs> yeah, there's something in that. I'm not convinced that's where he actually was doing it. That made a good photo op, though. Um, an- another guy who's been doing really well at the start of the season, Ben Slater. He's hit scores of 74, 83, and 100 so far. He averages more than 55 across his entire list A career so far. A relatively late bloomer. Ollie, have you played much against him? I have, but not in one-day cricket. Um, as a lot of people know, I haven't played loads of one-day cricket. And I don't think they would be in uh, Derby. Certainly, yeah. Notts wouldn't have been in our group when I did play true, a lot. True. So I played him in a um, four-day game last year, I think, or the year before. And he, I think he got 98 and looked very solid. Um but yeah, I, I don't know enough about him to have a, a, a big comment on that one. Uh, who who around the traps are you particularly impressed with who have not yet played for England? Wow. <laughs> I know, to put you on the spot. Just but, like but not, not, not the kind of names that everyone talks about. Uh, so somebody who the, you, you from playing county cricket will have a, a good insight on. Well, you know, I mean, you're seeing... I don't. I can't. Really, I won't put any absolute names out there. But I mean, there's a lot of um, talk around this Will Jacks here, yeah. Um, for example, so there's a lot. There's a lot of like young players that seem to be coming through and doing a good job. Um, Critchley at Derby mm. seems to stick out a little bit f- uh, to me. Obviously, like we we said uh, pre-show about the sort of spin stuff. So again, I won't spoil all that. But mm-hmm. he's a, he he seems like a good all-round prospect. Um, maybe not necessarily for England yet. Um, but yeah, there, there's there's plenty of good players out there, and obviously, I mean, Joe Clark. Obviously, it, um, he seems to be the one that people keep returning to. I, I feel a bit. I don't know. Um, a lot of people have slated my view on this. Obviously, we won't go into it. It's a bit of a su- uh, you know sensitive subject about everything that happened at Worcester and, and mm-hmm. this WhatsApp group and things like that. But then they pulled him off the A tour, I think, as a result of it. Um, and then my my view was that you know like it's up to them to figure it out. I don't think that should infect the, the selections in the cricket unless right. something's been proven to have happened wrong or whatever. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest, it wasn't all ideal or anything like that and I won't go into it. But And then people said, well, Stokes didn't play while he was going through this. And I feel like England have sort of dodged this one a little bit because they're trying to get back the reputation of England cricket. And I mean, let's be honest, it hasn't gone that far wrong. You know, a couple of no, incidents indeed. here and there. Um, there are people going and thumping people outside nightclubs every week, but <laughs> you know, and 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 et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, again, um, Joe Clark's come back and done really well. Started very well for Knotts, and he he certainly looks like a, a player that, yeah. that's going to be knocking down the door. I think without wanting to take it down that road too much, <laughs> I am still tempted. Sorry, I, nonetheless, I, I, yeah, sorry, I keep throwing these things. <laughs> it, it, it is interesting one because. The ECB, they try and create a kind of a, a whiter than white puritanical image of, of, of English cricket, you know. But, but that's it, not but, what sportsmen are. But, it, but it's not. It's the not. And it's not what society is either. The reason why Stokes is Stokes is because of his personality. If yeah. he was a, you know, if he was a wallflower, he wouldn't be playing for England. He wouldn't be one of the most wanted uh, cricketers in the world. He wouldn't be one of the best spectacles to watch in the world, etc., etc. That's what set Stokes apart over his time with a lot of other talented cricketers along the way. It's his personality. And every now and again, you know, we all want to win. 
we're all hot-tempered people you get in the battle and you know things go wrong from time to time with sportsmen guess what do you know what i mean that that's my and people slate me for that you know people have got to like, control it and this that and the other i said well if you control it then sport would be quite bored to watch so it, you know one comes with the other in my humble opinion not all the time but don't be surprised if it does yeah I, as well an amateur said. sportsman i've always thought that professional sportsmen in particular something like ben stokes who is a genuinely world-class cricket player there's got to be something about their psyche that's a little bit different to the normal person they have to be incredibly driven incredibly uh, determined to succeed and that means that as a as a overall personality they're going to be different to normal people whilst also they'll be under more scrutiny than everyone else's in their normal lives and I think it's just unfair and then we play this nonsense card about them having to be role models yeah. they're just human beings you know, making mistakes trying to find their way just like anybody else and they just happen to be very good at throwing catching and hitting and then they have to be held up as some kind of societal role model um, I, th- I find that peculiar and well, borderline hypocritical, frankly. Well, not ECB, but generally like setups when it comes to interviews, and you guys must know better than anyone. And I find it frustrating when you, ha- after an England game, and they talk about the obvious things within the game and things. You said, "Well, you could have, you could have asked, you could have plucked any player from one to eleven; they would have said the same thing." Yep, yep. But they surely not all of those people would have the same view on the game. Mm. And I think that. Because when I've been on Lions tours and things, they've gone at the end of the day, oh, can you do the, a little thing for the camera or something like that? Oh, yeah, talk about his 100. And t- Obviously, I'm going to talk about his 100. He's scored 100. Sure. Like, you know, I'm not a Muppet. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. And I think I don't think we should try and force too much of this out. Of, of, of Obviously, we're talking about cricket, but sportsmen. Yeah, you know indeed. I mean? We want to hear what they're, th- they're thinking. We want to know what makes them tick. And we want to know why they are where they are. And often, that is their personality. Th- th- there was a brilliant superb article written a few years ago now by an American writer called Wright Thompson who is ESPN's chief sports writer uh, he's fascinated by cricket oddly enough he, I think he was in Sri Lanka and saw and met one of the big two Jai Wardner or Sankara fell in love with cricket fascinated by cricket but obviously grew up with baseball and American football he spent a lot of time in locker rooms in American football and in American football just like in other American sports they encourage maverick characters they encourage larger than life characters they encourage cheeky statements they encourage pushing the line right because it's all show it's all theater he came over to england and spent a few weeks observing english cricket uh and he said one of its chief things that it's holding back holding itself back is this suppression of character because you're desperate for these breakout figures that countries and communities can unite around English cricket, maybe less so now, but certainly historically, they try and make everybody homogenous, everybody saying the same thing at the same pace and making sure that no feathers are ever ruffled. And that then results in a game that is a little bit bland, a little bit anodyne, yeah. and why you're desperate to break away. I think you look at examples of uh, Moeen Ali in cricket, what he's done for the South Asian community as a role model. That's amazing. Seeing what Raheem Sterling has done in football in the last year, standing up, uh, being very vocal against racism in in sport you can see that sportsmen do have uh the opportunity to be role models that they're talking about be the societal role models and i think in wanting almost every sportsman to be that they have at at the end of the day made sports people basically the same or at least sound the same publicly yeah it's a vast platform for those who want to be put in that place Mm. but the thing that I struggle with is the assumption, is the, the, the expectation that you have to be that. Mm. No one was born to be a role model. But if you want to assume that, that space, 
due to the, your, your reputation and your popularity mm. as a sports person or whatever it may be, then that's fine and that's good. It's obviously a positive thing. Mm. The notion that you have to be it, Unfortunately, I, I think I think society in general is taking it that way. I mean, you, you literally can't say anything. You can't have an opinion on anything without having to double think. Like, what, what can I say? What can't I say? What's going to offend who? You know, et cetera, et cetera. And that's going to support. I, and I'm, I'm very aware that I keep waffling on. Um, but coming back to Not the American football, because I watched them. Um, I, I was watching some documentaries on uh, Amazon Prime, the All or Nothings on the American yeah, football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, again, I thought I wasn't. it wasn't for me, American football. But I watched these documentaries and um, I actually phoned someone in the know and I said, look, I've, I want to go over and, s- and see this to believe it. And I managed to get in with the Miami Dolphins. Right, wow. Um, m- as much as anything, not to do with the sport, but the way those guys are managed. Yeah. I was just like, well, in, surely sports. In, in what way? They were just, their tyres are pumped. They're just basically given every opportunity to go out and do what they do. And the stakes are so high Basically, I found that the coaching and the management took all the pressure off the players. Go out there, express yourself, catch that ball, do what you do, do your backflips. You get it wrong, see you later. I mean, it's brutal, but they give them every opportunity possible to go and succeed. And they take all the pressure off them. And like you say, they pump their tyres. They're all. And I was amazed at how the players talk to each other. Because again, in, in cricket... You know, we're always taking each other down and not having, you know, slight comments and it's all banter and all that. But out there, they're just like, oh, you're amazing. You're this, you're that. And I was like, I've got to go out and see it. So I managed to get behind the scenes at the Dolphins um, and then went to a game and watched it. And I absolutely loved it. And I thought it was amazing. I just thought, well, this is sport. Um, it is a show and a lot of it is rub- you know, rubbish mm. really yeah. <laughs> a flow it's rider at half time it's a triumph of style over content yeah. but it was you know they do perform their skills to a very high level and they have to I, I would just add to that and I agree 100% with what you say and, and we do kind of admire it we're in awe of it I think in England but there is also you've got to add something about cricket there is something a, a specific and fundamental to the the pursuit of cricket it's just a complex game. It's a psychologically uh, it's probably why the Americans disabling really game. Like it. <laughs> yeah, and you know, American football is 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 straightforward. You know, straightforwardly brutal. Um, and you know, American ultra violence. You stand well back and you admire it from afar. There is something about cricket, though, isn't there? That you couldn't be anything but slightly self-deprecating no, because definitely. cricket just does you in and it's in our blood it's in you know it's how cricket's perceived for a number of like, a long long time now so you're absolutely right i'm not saying that everyone needs to come do backflips and <laughs> roll up in bentleys and things like that ideally that would be great but uh you know but i think there is a there's a happy medium but yeah. i just sort of pull me into that yeah. sort of because I, I went out and i felt the need to go and do it so i took the took the wife over and sold it as a holiday but really <laughs> you'd, you'd have been quite day. useful actually Linebacker, maybe you got the well, frame I was for it. Haven't you? Thinking more running back, I mean, it All right, my okay. pace, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm okay. renowned for on the circuit. <laughs> sure, <laughs> no, it was well. It's brutal. I said, I said to some poor bloke sitting next to me, and I was sort of, actually I don't have a clue what's going on. I said, sorry to keep asking questions. Why don't you just catch it and run? He said, well, because he's going to run into twenty blokes at eighteen stone yeah. and get concussed. So yeah. I was like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, famously, Ollie Rayner, uh, the, the best hands in the business, of course, at second slip. Um, so you'd have to be that kind of Gronkowski, that Gronkowski position. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Mark them up. The IPL's still going on. Uh, RCB have won a few games. Um, they're off the bottom of the table. I don't know if you guys saw it yesterday. AB, AB Davidi has hit one of the best shots I've ever seen. Um, he swatted away a Mohamed Shami beamer with one hand onto the roof with his eyes not even on the ball. Um, extraordinary shot. But I'd argue uh, the photo of it that you can find on the Wizard Instagram page 
is even more amazing. It captures the exact moment. He's got his head facing the ground, his bat behind him in the air uh, with a ball somewhere in the stands. Uh, highly, highly recommend looking the, the for that The big photo. takeaway that A.B. de Villiers is good at batting. Yeah, and yeah. there's a World Cup year that he's, I think he's not let's involved. Let's not forget, with. it sounds like he's trying to stop himself from getting killed, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> put, yeah. put good batter well, and that your, together, your, that instinct. Your teammate later this year as well. That's, that's well, really hopefully he'll be, well, yeah, I mean, technically he'll be my squad mate, I, yeah. I, I would imagine. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be my teammate, but I'd like to spend some time with him for you, sure. I looked at the fixture list. Uh, you guys are playing at Richmond Cricket Club when he's here. So lucky, lucky so AB, he's gonna yeah. love it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Fifty yard it. boundaries. Yeah. Hope he's got a face mask. Um, w- one other thing from the IPL is uh, that has caught my attention is David Warner's form at the moment. So these are his last ten scores. 85, 69, 100 not out, 10, 15, 70 not out, 51, 50, 67, 57. He's in, um, he's in some decent form in a World Cup. The, the, the contrarian in you, yeah, is you want him to be the star oh, of the I World really Cup. Do, I really do. How amazing would that be? Yeah, you, you've, you've already become a cynic. You're only about 12 years old. <laughs> No, yeah, it would. It would be. It would be stunning. It would. No, it would be stunning. Can you imagine the Warner celebration in the World <laughs> Cup final at Lords? That'd be amazing. Um, I, I, we possibly sit in separate camps on that yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I've mentioned it before in the podcast, but I'm continually, continuously in awe of the skill and and the, the the grand spectacle that is the IPL, and and that to me is surely the way that you grow the game. Um, I got sent the following text from a friend who's not a cricket fan on Easter Sunday. OMG, this IPL match I'm being forced to watch is sick. Sick being positive um, <laughs> there. Um, Just for our more yeah. mature listeners. <laughs> um, that is surely the way to grow the game. Show people uh, 90 mile per hour bowlers bowling at best bats in the world, trying to hit them out of the park for six with a 30,000 crowd screaming and uh, into every single ball. That is surely the way to grow the game. Yeah, they've got it going on, as we well know. Uh, obviously, we're going to try and ape it next year with, yeah. with crowds of 8,000, yeah. you know, <laughs> overcast, reduced games. Bring it on. Yeah. We don't even know what teams they're going to be, but yeah, but hey-ho, ve- ve- it would be great. Very quickly, um, the, some, some good news that's come from India this week. Uh, the BCCI have announced that there'll be four women's exhibition T20 games played uh, only in a couple of weeks' time, actually, as they look at the viability of a full, full-fledged full women's IPL either next year or the year after that. Yeah, that I remember really Isha Guha for the magazine said it's only a matter of time before yeah. before a women's IPL takes place. Last year they had one game and this year they got four so they're, yeah, they're definitely yeah, exploring it. Did I misread something on Twitter? I think Virat Kohli was promoting a uh, mixed, mixed game, yeah. yeah. There is a mixed game, yeah. Yeah, Harmanpreet Kaur and, and Kohli were, were kind of co promoting this game I don't know the ins and outs spiking of it. a bit of hype or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know the ins and outs of it it's obviously got a kind of circus element to yeah. it um, but you know all, all power to, to women's cricket and especially in India where it was famously ignored completely um, despite the vastness of the superpower that is Indian cricket they they ignored the female game for many many years uh, the World Cup obviously in 2017 yeah 2017 was was the, the kind of lightning bolt moment really for Indian Indian cricket when it came when it comes to female cricket and and they are moving a pace now mm, absolutely um Ollie uh, both myself and Phil wanted to ask you about being a spin bowler in England um 
you, 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 a famous quote from you a few years ago saying that your one tip to a young English spinner would be to learn how to bat. Um, are, you, are you therefore excited that this Good season line, there's actually county cricket being played in the in the actual summer months of, of June, July and August? Well, yeah, I mean, again, I, we, we spoke about this a little bit and I, I thought that was a conscious effort from the ECB to try and uh, spread the season out. And uh, If only. Uh, but apparently that's just for the World Cup and we'll go back to the norm uh, next year. So I won't get too excited yet. Yeah. But One good year. It will be quite interesting to see if that does... Uh, have a positive effect on spin bowling in England and uh, like I've already said again we should probably go for another week with my my full thoughts on the matter um, but yeah I th- there have been initiatives brought in to try and you know help spin bowling with the um, the toss ruling and things like that Do you think that's um, worked? I think the first year it came in worked really well uh, purely because groundsmen were really worried about where this line was what, what was going to be acceptable what wasn't and just pre- produce belters they didn't they didn't produce spin spin pitches but the seamers physically couldn't bowl the overs where in april you're probably bowling as a side anywhere between bowling sides out in 60 to 80 overs probably Mm. i mean it suddenly went up to 120 130 overs so the spinner had to play a massive role in that um and guess what spinners got more wickets because they (laughs) bowled more and then they got onto spinning pitches in the back end of the the season naturally through through the weather and because they'd bowled so many more overs leading up to that they were a lot more effective when that comes and I I would say that's one of the hardest things um is sort of the thing I would say to people is like you generally only play one spinner right because everyone can bowl spin uh, to a certain degree no one not everyone can master it I am certainly not one of those people yet um but everyone can bowl it, so generally they they play a, a batter who can bowl a bit of spin, play your spinner, and then they get finally get on a dust bowl and go, right, over to you, take nine for it. And you go, okay, uh, you know, if a seamer has a bad day, you've got four other guys lining up to bowl mm. seam. And you can now have a little breast and come back, and it might work, it might not. Suddenly, suddenly the spinner in, in August has said, right, here you go, you've been asking for this all year, mm. go and do it. You go, well, I've, I've bowled 80 overs up to this point, you know, or whatever it might be. So it's not quite as clear cut as that so it it is hard to become a a top class spinner in England as well purely like keepers there's only one keeper in a side generally there's only one spinner in a side there aren't many sides out there that legitimately play two spinners for a majority of the season so those spots are scarce which means the people who get there have to be good but then the pool's not quite as big do do you see now over the players coming through that um they're they're because of the limited opportunity you get in red ball cricket as a spin bowler that they're focusing more on white ball cricket and when they're developing their skills they're focusing more on what makes a good white ball bowler which is slightly different so whether that's because of the lack of opportunity in red ball or that's where you know the bright lights and the money are in white ball uh i would argue probably more more the the case in that um, do you think that is happening though? So well, you know, you get the, the countries like Afghanistan and, and stuff with the Rashid Khans and things. Yeah. They just play loads of 2020, and guess what? They're really good 2020 players. Rashid Khan, I mean, again, I don't know the stats, mm. but he's got to be one of the best bowlers in the world in 2020 um, because it's so much more accessible um, uh, globally uh, mm. than four day cricket. To, to become a test player, it requires a lot of time, a lot of re- resources, and good facilities uh, in, in countries that are set up for it. Um, so that I would say that was probably another factor in where the spinners are coming from and what they're honing their skills in for. Um, Ollie, a bit on your own career. Um, six years ago, here at the Oval, you took fifteen wickets in a game. Um, you've been on Lions tours. Do you feel? Do you feel any sort of regret about not playing for England 
Um, do you feel like you were really close at one point? And yeah, do you think there are points where you think it's you a could fair have played? Question. I'd say obviously my chances now are probably slim. Uh, although Batty came back in at 37 or whatever it was, but yeah. I'm not sure that's they're going to go down that route again. Unfortunately, um, I think that. 2016 season like I say when the pitches were good I bowled loads I took my wickets and we won the championship I think that's probably and then they took Batty away to India that was probably my chance um, which has come and gone unfortunately um, but yeah I mean that that 15 for here was amazing but they basically rolled the dice and played on a very used wicket hoping to win the toss and bat first because they were trying to stay up and it backfired because we won the toss batted first and bowled them out mm. with spin um, so as well as I'd bottled, I mean, I had a lot of help from the pitch and it was, you know, I just had to try and land it somewhere and it was doing something. Yeah, so. but, but you, you tap into one of the fundamental kind of challenges really with, with spinners. There's a lot of countries around the world that do produce these kinds of dust bowls, you know, and I remember there being a kind of criticism of Jack Leach before they went to Sri Lanka. Well, he's only taking his wickets, or he's generally taking wickets on at Taunton where it's a bit of a bunsen. Yeah, but... You know, Nagpur's a Bunsen, Mahali's a Bunsen, Chennai's a Bunsen, certainly after day three. Uh, so it's a positive thing to be able to take wickets on pitches that spin. And it, and it is a skill. It is a skill because you can necessarily just put me on. I bowl majority of my games at Lords and things where I'm, I'm generally in around fourth stump or, or, or off stump. Um, trying to trap people on the crease. I'm not trying to get them through the gate or do anything funky yeah. or get yeah. them caught back pad. And then suddenly you go on a, you know, I've 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 had problems in the past going to say Warwickshire and bowling into Keith Parker's footholes now at Hampshire um, because they're just not nowhere near where I've been landing the ball all year. And you know, I am a professional cricketer. I'm good enough to to adapt, but it's just not my norm, uh, and that's hard. So it's a skill within itself, was what you're saying. Mm. Mm. And he went and performed really beautifully out in Sri Lanka, mm. didn't he? When they some of those pitches are spinning from ball one and I had a bit of a gripe because I've done two tours to Sri Lanka and I don't think I've played <laughs> on pitch that spun one really? <laughs> um, until naturally th th towards the end of the game but yeah. um, no good on, good on Leachy and he's gone through a lot as well with that action yeah. shamozzle which was uh, which was weird wasn't it it was an absolute debacle and again I was quite vocal at the time probably burning my bridges a little bit but the way that was all handled I thought was appalling uh, from the ECB point of view someone's put them under a lot of pressure why is Leach Leach and someone's given in finally and it wasn't fair he wasn't banging it you don't take 65 wickets in in the league without a murmur without anyone thinking anything because if you do well people go after you exactly and if if you you know do you know what I mean so to have done what he did and no one batted an eyelid mm. and then suddenly a voluntary test at Loughborough you know and the way we are about calling other teams out for having people yep. to chuck it yep. they're overly sort of saying well we're going to make sure none of ours do so we can't be under any scrutiny mm. and then Leachy unfortunately got tripped up by that but yeah. I'm really glad genuinely obviously I'd like to be playing uh, <laughs> but I'm really glad that he's he's come through that and he's doing well well all I would say don't give up hope just yet Ollie right you're 32 Engl English cricket's got a history of bringing off spinners through in their in their autumn years as a professional cricketer, <laughs> I remember I remember John Embry was brought back at forty two years old. Forty two. I tell you what, if I can even walk, at there was I'll Shaggy. Be happy, to be honest, Sean Udall, yeah. you know, made his debut as a thirty nine or forty year old out in India okay, under Fred. Well, I won't. I won't give up. You got years left yet. Yeah, you got years. Um, on on your international future, actually, uh, I've got to ask you about Germany. How yeah. how, how how did that? How did that opportunity come to say, when you, you were talking about Morgan and Archer and people, you know, I'm German, you know, <laughs> I'm playing English cricket. It just shows how diverse we yeah. are over here. <laughs> um, okay, long story short, uh, father was in the forces, born out in Germany. He was actually up a tree in Belize when I was born at the time. Um, uh, 
yeah, so that's where the connection is. And I think the ICC rulings changed recently where had previously, if I'd played for Germany, I would have then not been able to play for England. Um, and again, although that's a slim chance, but I wouldn't have wanted to rule that out anyway. Mm. And now I think it's changed the other way so I can play for associate and still not hinder my chances of being selected for England, uh, which prompted them to get in touch with me. That wasn't me sort of pursuing it. Um, and you're aiming for the World Cup next year, the T20 oh World yeah, Cup. Oh yeah, World Cup, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, qualif- Qualifications in um, Guernsey, I believe, in, in June. Yeah. Uh, pending my situation at Middlesex I, I will stress that my Middlesex career takes precedence um, as much as I want to go and play for Germany and, and do that um, so it will be dependent on uh, sort of fitness and, and fixtures and mm-hmm. selections and things like that but yeah potentially qualifier in, in Guernsey which then allows us to go I think in October to Australia for, for further qualifications and that's a 14 team tournament and 6 of those qualify I believe I'm just going to nod my head at that yeah. uh, no <laughs> idea. <laughs> um, I, so, can, yeah. I can just see it though international Eng- cricketer could still be an option you it's know that England story. Germany Germany win in the super over don't they yeah. obviously <laughs> but you're not the only county cricketer who's no, gone down the German route DTA Klein and Craig Mascheda who at least sounds slightly German Yeah. Uh, and then there's Michael Richardson I believe up at Durham who I spoke to at a P, uh, PCA um, AGM here actually and he was interested about that and said oh well you know my grandparents are German or something like that I said well here's the number get involved let's go over there a few steins on the weekend <laughs> sensational a bit of training have so uh, have you been um, impressed by the German cricket setup I genuinely have um, the setup no okay. uh, <laughs> and that's not their fault there's, yeah. there's no funding there's no infrastructure I went over I harsh there is there is some funding and some in, in uh, yeah. infrastructure but it's limited um, so when I went over there we went to a place called Husum, which is on the Danish-German border. And in Denmark, there's a much better infra- infrastructure for cricket. So hence, they do a lot of their stuff there. There's a uh, Australian guy that's come over and married a, a German lady who's in the finance world and running the European, uh, you might have seen it, the European cricket, cricket TV yeah. or something. Yeah, and the ECL, um, who built a, a one-lane net in a boat shed at his father-in-law's lake house wow. or something like that. So... Uh, and they've got a Merlin or a Truman or something down there. So the batters go and do work down there. Um, so they are trying. But this is where I feel I can come in a little bit. Because if I don't play for them, I'd like to help expose them. The, the passion out there is amazing for it. And as you can imagine, a lot of expats, a lot of Asians out there who live and breathe the game, who are doing 40, 45-hour weeks and then finding time to try and play for Germany. Um, and there is genuine talent out there for sure. And I'm not just saying that. They just need to play more, train more have better facilities etc etc so if i can help get the ball rolling in in whatever little capacity i can then i'll I'll feel like i've helped out beautiful beautiful there we go yeah i I can just see it never asked no no (laughs) No, no, in in a decade's time in in 10 15 years time we're on well they said they said that one of the other things i don't know if it's tongue-in-cheek they said oh you know it could be an olympic sport i could be you know yeah yeah it could be opening ceremony rio there could be me, 45 years old, trying to pop up the German side. <laughs> so that's that's what I'm hoping for, really. I really hope Germany get big in their cricket. I can imagine uh, Germany producing uh, proper green tops. 
um, and they're being hard to beat in yeah, Germany. Yeah, levelling the playing yeah, field. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, oh. we're seeing it more and more home series wins. You <laughs> yeah, know. there we go. But, but <laughs> it will, I mean, there is a lot of interest within Europe. It's not just Germany, yeah. um, obviously. So this ECL is actually a very good idea. How, how far it will go or how quickly it will go, who knows, remains to be seen. Mm. But if it kicks off, there's, there's interest. Just, yeah. I will just say that. Germany will be a superpower once more. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. Well, Ollie, thanks so much for coming on today. Really enjoyed having you I on. I really appreciate you having me. Thanks. Um, and Phil, thanks as ever for being on the show. Pleasure, Squire. Um, listeners, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends, share it on the internet. See you next week. Podcast Network.